Welcome to the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, and now your host, Javi Kravitz. Welcome to a special edition of the Rappaport Diamond Podcast, a recording of Martin Rappaport's presentation that he gave at the Israel Diamond Exchange in late March. Martin gives his analysis on current market conditions, the impact of sanctions on Russian diamonds will have on the wider market, and of course an important message relating to lab-grown diamonds. The presentation created a buzz in the exchange at the time, and I'm confident you'll gain a lot from this podcast recording. Nice to see you all. Let's rock and roll, okay? Hey, Joshua, hand out those little papers, whatever you got. We kicked off a New Year's message that got a bunch of people talking about stuff. Now, we're going to give you a little bit of background. First of all, thank you, Ray Ronnie. Thank you, boss. Sometimes people, you know, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And I really want to thank the Rappaport team. I also want to mention one of my first mentors, Mucky Scheinfeld, who passed away this year. He taught me to cleave diamonds in Antwerp in 19... 74, 75, and his brother Michel, the Havdel, you know, it's been kind, not Chaim is here, he's in Belgium, and Yumi is here, the Schoenfeld family. I also want to mention someone very important that uh, was in Belgium, and that was Fievel Doppels, was a tremendous diamanteur. You can't imagine what an old, what a, what a real diamanteur was in those days. You know, I saw Schnitzer here today, I saw some. Uh, and I think of Mr. Schnitzer when I came to Israel, you know, he had thrown me out of the bushes at the time. And he said, you're really going to come to Israel, Rabbi? We're going to help you every way. And he really did. So there are certain figures that I look up to. And, you know, one of them was Fievel Double too. I wrote an article called Trust. You can find it on the Internet. And he wouldn't sell diamonds to people if he thought the people wouldn't make money for it. That's the kind of person he was. Really amazing. So I want to mention those mentors. I got here today with the help of many other people. I want to mention our team. Miley's been with me 27 years from Israel. Uh, amazing guys. Yahshua was here 20 years. Savile this year. Shimon. These are, these are, yeah, but that's just like the tip of the iceberg. We have some really great people working for us here in Israel and really around the world. So you look at me, blah, blah, I'm the big talker, but there's behind me a lot of wonderful people who do great work. We established in 78. 150 employees, about seven countries. We're in Yerushalayim, we're also in Dubai, and this is from, I think, 2002. Sheikh Robert invited me out there. In any case, 20,000 clients. We don't own diamonds. We train never to own diamonds. We try to make money without diamonds. It's like, you know, who invented sushi? You know who invented sushi? They say two Jews who wanted to have a restaurant without a kitchen. That's our method. So here I am in the diamond business, and what am I? You know, I'm just a guy who doesn't have much. So adding value services. Rabnet is a very important part of what we do. Largest trading network. We list goods about $9 billion every single day, 1.7 million diamonds, 500,000 carats of recycled. I'm happy to say that we are constantly bringing goods to Israel uh, from the United States. And I think, I don't know, today we have 2,400 and something. We're into certification and checking things and we're looking at source certification. But the real thing about us is, I should say, that the how you and the value stuff, I, I gotta tell you, you know, we've been in business now 45 years. You know, the one thing that has sustained me is my wife, of course. Behind every successful man is a woman telling him he's wrong and she's right. But the values is the thing that has sustained us, which is ethical, transparent, competitive. You bring transparency and competition, you create fair market value and you piss everyone off and efficient markets. So those are our values that we live by 
really since 1978. So enough about me, let's talk about what's really going on. If I think about the diamond distribution, how do we get our diamonds? How do we, you know, how do we make money in diamonds? You can buy stuff in Africa for $150 a carat, and then you can sort it, sort it, and sort it, and select it, and this woman in Rodeo Drive, California, wants a two-carat pear shape at VS2, and it's worth a whole bunch more money. So our ability to segment out and select out what we're selling, what we're doing, to get the right person, the right price, the right goods, you'll see, that's the key. So this distribution, I thought, where are the problems? Okay, synthetic diamonds, I'm gonna talk about Russian sanctions, big issue. But it's all about distribution. Where do your diamonds come from? Answer the question, and you will deal with these issues. But it's not enough to talk about it, you gotta say, what are you gonna do about it? What are we gonna do about this? And that's really an important question. First of all, synthetic diamonds. Look, people make money. What are you gonna do, you gonna shoot them? Wait, I'm making money. A guy walks in the store, wants to buy synthetic diamonds. I should sell them? Well, depends. Short term versus long term. If someone brought you a diamond, a stolen diamonds, you know, Los Angeles, New York, stolen diamonds, would you buy them? You can make money. Blood diamonds. Short term profits versus long term. Question, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Russian sanctions. We are seeing the world splitting apart. We talked today about this uh, bifurcation of markets, bifurcation of synthetic from natural. Don't worry about synthetics, it's bullshit. But leave that alone, I'll talk about that. But what about the bifurcation of the natural market? What about the goods that are coming from Dubai? Do you know who owns those companies? So what are we talking about here when we think about this diamond market that we're in? How are we going to deal with what are we dealing with when our customers ask, or even if our customers don't ask? So that's a big issue, these Russian sanctions we'll talk about. Mixers are making money while destroying diamond industry integrity. Who can you trust? What can you verify? Now, this business, this bourse, I'm so happy to remember this bourse. I remember the New York bourse, I remember all the bourses. But the bourse was all about having people you can trust. That is the essence of our business, that is the essence of our organizations. So who can you trust? How can you verify? President Reagan, trust and verification. And his declarative statement, I am telling you that it's okay, is that enough in today's diamond world? And where are we going with this? The industry is breaking apart in two. Pesach, Yitziak Mitzrayim, splitting of the seas. That's what's happening. Does Tiffany buy from anyone in this room? Why? How? Would they buy from everyone in this room? I don't know. The industry is splitting apart, and it's also individuals who are thinking about what is my role? How do I find my place? Do I go to the right over here and only deal in so-called kosher diamonds? Or I just, you know, do the business? Branding segmentation was very interesting to hear Bears talk about the watch industry. Does anybody here have a watch without a name on it? Anybody? Is there any one generic watch here anywhere? But we brand things, and we don't only brand things, but we also brand people. If you think the diamond business is about sorting diamonds, not so much anymore, it's about sorting people. Who are you dealing with? Actually, it was that way all the time. And also, this whole idea of curation. Are you trying to sell steak to vegetarians? Is that where your money is going? Is that where your marketing is going? Do you understand your customer? 
Have you looked at your customer's website? Do you know if he has landing pages? Is he registering the clients? How deep do you go in this business relating to people? Because in the end, we're a people business. And then this whole question about source certification is coming up very strong. So let's rock and roll. Synthetics, in my view, are a threat to the integrity of the diamond trade. Our trade is destroying the underlying value of diamonds as a store of value. What does that mean? Why do you buy a diamond? You buy a diamond, it's pretty, it looks good. Hell, go to Swarovski. What are you doing with these stupid diamonds? You want flash for cash? Go to Swarovski. In any case, the value of having something that's valuable. I started the diamond business really knocking on oh, I started with five double and somebody gave me four graders. They were JSI2s for $750. And I went to the west coast of Florida, starting in Naples, knocking on doors. And before I left, my mother gave me $5,000. I said, Mom, I don't want to take any money for you. I was a very independent guy. She said, no, no, don't spend it. Put it in your pocket. You'll talk different. There's no comparison to someone who was wearing a $100,000 necklace and how they walk and how they feel. I mean, it's just amazing. Try it. Put it on. You know you guys in old necklaces? Okay, put on a $100,000 Rolex watch. Rolex is not so fancy. Patek Philip watch. Wear it for a day. See how it makes you feel. But my point is something. is the value of having value. And we're marketing, promoting, selling synthetics as a replacement. Sell synthetics all your life. I don't care. Replacement. I have this, I have that. They're exactly the same. But they're not exactly the same. But that's how we sell it. Synthetic diamonds are not the equivalent of natural diamonds because they do not store value and are being produced in limited quantities. What was Bruce saying? 70,000? Come on, there are guys in China producing 2,000 tons of grit, which is abrasives, which they're now converting to produce synthetic milling. And a lot of the better bitter goods, they're all they have VVSs. It doesn't matter of the quality. So there's no differentiation. My big point is that unlimited quantities of the stuff is showing. Now, many, if not most, of our trade are operating dishonestly and unethically. So they have a stupid article in Forbes. Rabbit Word says that synthetic diamonds are this. No, synthetic diamonds are fine. Tell the whole truth. If you're going to compare it to a natural diamond, fine. But don't say they're exactly the same if the natural diamond is scarce in all its value and if the synthetic diamond doesn't. Tell the whole truth, not half-truths. It's full disclosure. Synthetics will not replace natural diamonds. It's not the same thing. It's not the same business. It's like... Uh, disgusting. Yeah, screw it. Prostitution will not replace marriage. Try that one on. Okay? There's different values that are in place over here. Okay? Consumers are overpaying. It won't be long now. You're all worried about synthetics. Don't worry. It's blowing away in the wind and I'll show you why. Even from our good friend here. Ed Dine. Good man. I'm using his data because who would trust my data, right? So here we have a story from Ed Dine. And all I can say is, hey, I don't understand so much, but what the hell is going on? The prices is like poop from a goose. You're going from $1,800 to, what is this, $450 or $500? And this is only the beginning. There's going to be so much of this stuff, it's going to make glass look expensive. I don't mean glass, Swarovski look expensive. At the same time, profit margins, woo! 
Now, why would that be? If the price at the B to B level is dropping, like proof from a goose, I mean dropping, why are prices going up? I mean, someone's not telling the truth. Maybe our good friend, the consumer. Now, you can fool some of the people some of the time, the rest of the people the rest of the time, but I don't think you can fool everybody at once. This is going to come out. People are going to know this because people are going to compete. Competition will drive the synthetic market into the ground. Not even a question. And, you know, Edan is fine, but the idea that we should somehow worry about synthetics and change the way we do natural bullshit. Forget about synthetics. They're going to hell. If someone's running off a cliff, don't disturb him. Don't disturb him. Let him keep going. How are diamond prices doing? Oh, prices came down a bit. Again, Edan, thank you for the data. I don't want anyone to think that I'm making phony data. Okay? So this is Edan. So what the hell's going on here? This stuff's dropping what? 70%? This stuff, okay, went up because the United States government decided to throw $100 bills out of helicopters for a couple of years. But look at that, it went up, it comes down, but it's still up there. So what's going on here? Are you worried about synthetics? Ridiculous. Do you know I have CZ, it's two and a half dollars a carat. I'll put it up here, and I doubt most people can tell the difference. Certainly not when a woman's dancing in a disco tent. Okay? So the idea of prices and the whole idea of selling prices sucks, but this is going to come out. People are gonna find out about this. It's not a rabbit hole, it's secret. This is really out there. Oh boy, 97 and a half. This is in the last years, JCK. Now why the hell are you comparing synthetics to naturals if you're going down to 99%? Comparing to Swarovski, comparing to CZ. Why are you comparing? Don't you look stupid? This is already last year, but now, oh, we're elevating. We're getting smarter. This is the Hong Kong show last two weeks, three weeks ago. They don't even compare it. They just throw you a number. You want two characters, $189. And a lot of the stuff that's that big is usually higher published clarities anyhow. Oh, come on, GIA. Please, please, please. Start certifying CZ. Come on. Come on. Consumers have a right to know if it's a flawless or a VVS1 or a VS2. So this is where we're... So why am I getting so excited about synthetics? Because we ourselves as an industry have lost our confidence. We're having some kind of a stupid identity crisis. We're natural, we're real. By the way, real is illegal, I'll explain to you in a minute. You don't use the word real when you're referring to synthetics. So now we're already going away from Rappaport, thank God. We're just throwing numbers, 159, 100. It's a joke. And the whole industry, oh, what are we gonna do? because we want to make money. And there's nothing wrong about making money. Short term, long term, reputation. This stuff's about to blow up. Okay. The coming shakeout will be brutal for synthetic sellers. I mean, brutal. Not so much for those selling natural diamonds. They go up, they go down. But the synthetics are a one-way road to hell. They're not going to go up. No how, no way. Now, synthetic retailers, beware. Consumers will remember your name once they find out the real value of what you sold them. You can only separate them. Why don't you sell some swamp land? Or, you know, in Israel, I can sell you property right opposite the Akadia Hotel. Really good quality. I mean, I can sell you land that is right opposite the Akadia Hotel. It's in the ocean. <laughs> so the point here is, do you really think synthetics are a better deal for your customers than naturals? If you do, go ahead and sell them. And if the only thing you're selling is price anyways, the best place to buy diamonds price-wise in the United States is, who can guess? 
I don't sell. Where's the best? I don't know how to deal with consumers. You know, God help me. But where, who do you think is the best deal in the United States for natural diamonds? Costco. Costco. Costco doesn't need to make money when they sell diamonds because everybody gets $100 a year membership fees and they got, what, 200 or 100 something million members. There's all kinds of models here, okay? So Costco's there. But the point is, is this really a good deal? If you really think so, go ahead. Go off the cliff, take your customer with But honestly, ethically, you really think it's a good deal or you just did it for the short-term money? That's something that everybody should wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, ask their husband, ask their wife, ask your child. And what I'm doing so kosher, we support the FTC concept that consumers are best served with the broadest basket of products and services, including synthetics. The consumer should be able to buy everything. No problem. I'm not against that. I'm not against synthetics either. Just against the truth, the whole truth. However, as stated in our submission to the RJC, we request that there be full disclosure regarding scarcity and value retention when comparing synthetics to natural diamonds. If you're comparing the two, please show. If you're not comparing the two, I don't care what you say. But if you bring it out, if you put that natural diamond and say they're exactly the same, and you don't tell the whole truth, you are a disgusting, unethical liar. Sue me. That's how I see it. Tell the whole truth. So what is the truth? This is what I'm asking. The following statement should be required on all marketing material, grading reports, and invoices for man-made diamonds. I use the word man-made, see? How nice it. Man-made diamonds do not appreciate in value like natural diamonds because they can be created in unlimited quantities that are not subject to the same supply limitations as natural diamonds. I didn't say don't buy them. I just say, just put that statement on your invoice, put your statement on your certificate. Just let the consumer know. He was a willing to anyways. So why are you afraid to tell them? They know anyways. This kind of a disclosure is a step beyond saying that it's synthetic because you're telling them what's behind the fact that they are synthetic. But that's not all. Look at the uh, absolute ridiculousness the natural diamond industry is facing. Man-made diamonds, synthetic, man-made, LGE, bullshit, whatever you want to call them, should have the same disclosure and regulatory requirements as natural diamonds. They should have the same. Treatments, disclosure for man-made diamonds should be the same as for natural diamonds. Anti-money laundering and counter-terrorism regulations should be the same. Why is one? If they're exactly the same according to the FTC, why are they exactly the same according to OFAD and FATF and all these other regulatory agencies? System of warranty requirements should be the same as for natural diamonds. I'm asking for a level playing field, but to be established in fair, fair and transparent market competition. I'm not against competition, it drives business. I'll tell you a story. It's September 2012, I made a conference in New York on the 13th, because everyone was afraid to go to New York. I purposely made a conference, and we had General, what's his name there, with the first synthetic diamond laboratory using HPHD in Tampa, Florida or someplace. And he had made nice fancy colored diamonds, people would say. So this guy goes and he buys two fancy color yellow diamonds for his wife, two carrots each. And she, she starts her like peacock, and her friend sees it, and her friend makes her husband miserable until he buys her two, two carrots. Natural diamonds. So what do you think happens? The first wife sees the second wife is natural. She goes back to her husband and says, buy natural. Give me the real ones. And so this idea that there's some kind of a positive symbiotic relationship might exist. 
not like it gets free markets FTC and everything. I'm just asking for full disclosure. So you never know what's going to happen as you play around with this industry because there's lots of opportunities. So I'm not against any kind of diamond or any kind of sale or any kind of profits as long as you tell the whole truth. Federal Trade Commission. Whoa, real. What's real? Here it is. What is it? Section number 23.27 FTC. Misuse of the word real. I said, that diamonds real? No, they are not real. It is unfair and deceptive to use the word real, genuine, natural, precious, semi-precious, or similar terms to describe any industry product that is manufactured or produced artificially. Some of these synthetic uh, yuts and putzes, they say, oh, right before you're calling it synthetic. How could you call it synthetic? Well, here's the definition. Cambridge, good Cambridge, good university, Cambridge University Press, what is synthetic in artificial substance or material man-made gem products are known as synthetics. So I guess Cambridge is okay with what the terminology I'm using, even though some marketers don't like it. Back to real stuff. So we're talking about real diamonds. Real diamonds are not just sparkly things. That's not a real business. Again, if you want to sell sparkle, go to Swarovski. They're valuable. They're really valuable. They support the livelihood of millions. Not just millions, millions of the poorest people in the world. Real diamonds are about commitment. Now, I know the world is changing. Certainly, I'm in business 45 years. I was born in 1952. <coughs> the world's different, okay? But the idea of commitment, once upon a time, sex and marriage had a relationship. Marriage and children had a relationship. Sex, marriage, and children had a relationship that was called family. Now, I'm not against anybody for any reason. I love them, them, they, or whatever. But I'm not against cis. I'm not against cis people who decide to get married and have kids, blah, blah, blah. So I'm looking at the world, and I think we're now entering the post-Tinder era, okay? Because women are getting older, and they get older, they want to have kids, maybe the terrible realization that they got to sleep with the same guy for a while comes upon them. But fundamentally, we are in the post-Tinder era. People are getting older. Millennials are getting older every day. So when we think about the idea of family, and we think about the big thing, which is commitment, are you able to make a commitment? And then you give someone the great value. Yeah, it's worth, I don't know, five or 10 of your golf club sets. It's worth two months of salary, which was a great idea. But now you're giving someone something. And in a relationship between a man and a in a cis world, you know, she's jumping up and down, not because she just got a ring, because she got a guy. She's a man who says, I will love you. I will be with you for the rest of your life. Wedding vows are real things for some people, for a lot of people, for most people. So this idea of commitment, and you got to understand, I understand where millennials are coming from because 50% of their parents are divorced. I understand that. But the fact is that we are still coming back to a world where 50% of your parents weren't divorced and people do want to have a commitment. And what does a commitment mean? It means emotional and financial security. If you want to understand the real diamond business, understand the need that people have for real emotional and financial security. This guy loves me and he gave me something worth a whole lot. And if I walk out on him or he walks out on me, it's going to hurt him financially as well. So something real, real feeling. Marriage is not a one-night stand. Engagement rings are not costume jewelry. If you really want to understand the diamond business, understand that. Understand that commitment, that gift of commitment. That's the basis of what we're selling. It's important that we really understand the real value. 
of real diamonds. I'm play a very short video right now. And this is probably the strongest thing I could ever show you. I was able to hide and take with me my mother's pearls. She had one string of real pearls she wore every day. And I took it in my hand, and this is how I went out. When they opened the door, the Polish prisoners, the Jewish boys, were taking us off. I was terribly thirsty, and I said, Wasser, Wasser. And a boy went away and came back two minutes later with a bucket of water. Took the pearls, gave me drinks, then saved my life. <laughs> that woman is my mother, Susan Rappaport. If she didn't have those pearls, I would not be here today. So you want to understand diamonds, huh? What does she mean? You should know. What the hell should you know? Okay, so you're not Jewish. You don't understand Jews, maybe. Perhaps you don't understand diamonds, really. But you could be a divorced Arab woman whose only assets after a divorce are her jewelry. You could be a Russian running away from Putin whose only assets are your wife's jewelry. You could be a family running away from communist China. It could be you, your wife, your kids, you. That is what the real diamond business is about. Real security, sometimes life-saving. How many people after the war were able to reestablish themselves because of injury? So cut out this bullshit about sparkling. Really understand diamonds. But I get emotional, so let's move on. Mixing synthetics. Dishonest companies are mixing synthetics into natural. We should hang them like hummus. Synthetics are not a threat to natural if and only if we can detect them. We are honest enough to disclose them. Here's the killer. We can differentiate them. We can actually separate them from the good stuff, the real stuff. Now, this is becoming a very big problem with melon. Beers rose melon prices, natural melon prices 30% on the first two months of this year. Natural diamond prices will fall to synthetic prices, which are going to be garbage. We cannot separate the goods. It's not enough to detect them, as I'll show you in a minute. We have the technology of detection, but we have to improve the technology of differentiation of separation. We are the largest recycler of diamonds in the world today. This is just one parcel that may come to us. Can we detect? I can tell you. Do a sample, tell you between 0.8% and one test and 2% and another test that these goods are synthetic. And they're coming from pawn shops, which means that already two, three years ago, synthetics were put into the mix. But, see the little red dots? That's what the synthetics are in that, and that's a cut from that parcel. And that parcel's, I don't know, a thousand carats or something. Do you know how long it would take to sit there with a tweezer and look at the picture and then pull out the stones? Minus two and a half, minus six and a half, minus sixes. We have to do more. And I'm very happy to speak out for the GIA, about the GIA. They're getting machines down, they're getting the technology, and we're going to have to use it. And the question is going to be, how much more is a parcel of diamonds that's 100% guaranteed not to contain any synthetics from parcels that are mixed, that you can't pull them out with the tweezer? This is like terrible work. So the technology of not just detection, but the technology of differentiation is key. And this is probably one of the most important things that we need to do. Now, 
the recycled ones. I'm so happy we bring recycled American single stones, four grains and whatever, up, whatever. No kinds of single stones here to Israel. And we're doing, and Israelis make parnasa. They make a living from these stones. Hundreds of people actually come and buy the goods. And that's wonderful because that's the mitzvah. Recycled goods, they come back in the market and they get bid on these values and there's an efficient market. And we actually give way, we give parnasa, we give the sustenance to a bunch of people. So synthetics are destroying the ability for small traders to buy recycled diamonds off the street from retailers. In America, we have lots of people running around buying in these goods from these retailers. Mrs. Schwartz comes in, I have a diamond, I have a necklace, I have a tennis bracelet. I would like to sell it to you, Mr. Jeweler. The jeweler buys it and then breaks it up and sells those diamonds. But how do you detect synthetics on the road? Who bears the cost of this? The cost of testing reduces the price consumers get for the recycled natural diamonds. So when the goods are mixed together, not by evil mixers, just because that's the way the goods are in the jewelry, which is another story, but what happens here? So we're actually reducing the value of that. I don't believe this nonsense about big diamonds, you know, maybe short term, one year, people come and they say, I'm gonna buy a three carat, a five carat big engagement ring. They just don't know they're getting screwed yet, but they'll find out about it pretty soon. So the issue over here is that synthetics are a nightmare for larger companies too, so must test and retest them. How do you remove those diamonds from the melody parcels? How do you know when you go to a jewelry store in the United States and you're buying a ring that all the diamonds in there are natural? How do you know? How do you know about the diamond business? Yeah, but it's diamond people. I want to start with you. I want to start our boots. I want to start the jewelry. You know, we got to clean our act up. Recycled diamonds offer one of the best opportunities for the diamond and jewelry trade. And consumers deserve the market value, fair market value, when reselling their diamonds. So it's important for us to clean up that market as well. And you know, I'm thinking about this thing over here. Um, best opportunities. You realize the United States is the largest polished diamond mine in the world? There's tremendous opportunities there for everybody, but particularly the US jewelers. U.S. jewelers will make more money buying diamonds and selling, buying diamonds from consumers and selling them. And here's why. Whoa, look at these numbers. You realize that there are 42 million Americans aged 70 plus. And there's going to be 57 million to 60% of the population. My friends, diamonds are forever. Little old ladies are not. So what's going to happen to all those diamonds? We can buy them, we can make money from them, we can recycle them. It's a great opportunity. And look at those millennials. Okay, those millennials are the millennials, are the bigger millennials, older millennials, the generation millennials, the generation. I like the Gen Zs, by the way. But anyways, 26% of the population. And here's the big jump. Some of these millennials are the most miserable people I've ever met. Not all of them, but a lot of them are great. But some of them are just you know, quiet quitters. Actually, maybe that's more Generation Z. But they're becoming nicer as they get older all the time. Do you realize these people are going to inherit more money than you can possibly imagine? Trillions of dollars. Because all of these 70-year-old Alta Coppers, I'm one of them, are going to die one day. And their money that they've been saving all their life is going to go to their children. They're not going to know what to do with it. Maybe they'll buy the jewelry if we're smart. If our natural diamond, these guys do their shtick, right? There's tremendous opportunity, my friends. Unbelievable opportunity, just looking at demographics. Now. America, it's different. American buyers, consumers, well, basically a pain in the ass. Um, they are. 
But that's because they're Americans. No one's fault here. Okay. But America's been doing like 48 to 54% of the diamonds that are being sold. This is the beer's day. And this is like the wholesale stuff. Not that much different when you look at the uh, jewelry stuff, the diamond jewelry stuff. But the bottom line is that America is where the action is going to be. Now, I love China. China's a great place. Xi Jinping, um, not so great. They're a bunch of communists. Well, like I said to you, I hope that everything will be fine and there will not be any, well, I'm going to talk about economic warfare in a few minutes, but I don't know how lucky you guys are going to get selling a bunch of diamonds to a bunch of communists because the communism in China is on the rise. And I'm not against communism necessarily, but I'm just thinking realistically, hey, you know, where's the diamond business going to be? One thing I can tell you, I hope China continues and I hope China will prosper and they'll make agreements with America and everything will be okay. But if you don't have America, talking to my fellow members of the Israel Diamond Exchange, if you don't have America, you're screwed. You don't know how to put that easier. So America's really important. And I want to make that point. And I'm not going to show you all the statistics. I don't have the time for that here. But I can show you tons and oodles of statistics that show America's important. Also, America has some problems, too, but it's a bit there. Now, sanctions. Mm, sanctions. Sanctions, sanctions, sanctions. It's sanctions is like a funny little word, but it's like the beginning of an economic world war. I don't think anyone, I should say, I don't think anyone, there are a lot of smart people in this room, but let's try to be realistic. Well, we hope and pray for the best, the war in Ukraine should end, China and America just loving each other, hating at President Biden, capital P, because he's the President of the United States, my President. You know, I hope they get along. I hope that they work things out. I really do. But, you know, there's problems, and, and so we ignore them because we want to be in denial. Probably not such a smart thing. So let's consider the reality of the current political, economic, and social realities. When Prime Minister B says, hey, you got to be more, you know, you got to be more communist, man. There's a key phrase he uses all the time. We got to distribute the wealth. Everybody's got to share. Okay? And every time he says that, Jack Ma's knees shake, okay? But the truth of the matter is that it's a communist value country. And I'm not gonna rule whether communism is good or bad. I'm simply gonna say to you, it's different. It's social. And it's something that goes right to the root of the way that the world runs. And so it's not about Russia. Russia's invasion has triggered a series of economic sanctions. So good, we're not, well, we started to knock down a drone a couple of days ago, but. The fact of the matter is that it's not a hot war, it's an economic war. But make no mistake, there is an economic war going on that is probably going to intensify. And everyone's looking at Russia where the real story is China, but we'll get to that. So it's likely that whatever happened triggered a bunch of events that are intensifying now, and we are in real economic warfare with the United States, the EU, the G7, maybe the Western world, all kind of on one side, and you got Russia and China, they just met like this week, I think, it was a couple of days ago. And you've got, you know, Iran there to kind of poke the bear a little. And then you've got all these other countries sitting on the side. What's going on with these guys? How do we make money from this? And you know, Dubai's the new Hong Kong. And again, you don't have to be a genius to figure that out, because the Indian government, they think, Prime Minister Modi's a wonderful man and everything, but he blew the opportunity for India to be a diamond trading center by taxing the imports of the diamonds because some of the 
Some of the, our Indian friends, diamond dealers, etc., convinced them that we have to protect our market. And really, India is the third biggest market. So maybe there's a point there, but that's another discussion. Bottom line, they lost that in being a trading center. Bottom line, Dubai and Ahmed over here. Boom, bah, let's go, baby. Faster, faster. And if you're cutting diamonds in Botswana now, because the beers of Botswana government said, hey, let's do more manufacturing in Botswana, you can't send the polish back to India. You may not want to send it to Hong Kong if it goes to Dubai. So Dubai is just going to grow and grow and grow because of different rules and laws that all kinds of non-minefield people make. But whatever it is, that's the story. I don't control the weather. I don't control what happens. I try to be aware of what's going on. But looks to me like Dubai's the new Hong Kong. Just going to give Dubai responsibilities. Anyways, we are at the first stages of global economic world war. Make no mistake about it. It's not just Russia, the US, China is exercising its military might while forcing Communist Party rule over its economy and society. That's what's happening. Just read the economists. I read the economists religiously, so maybe it's there too. Existing USS on China likely to expand. Look, I didn't show you the graph about China, but in fact, the United States is giving the Chinese just three, four hundred, maybe five hundred billion dollars a year of extra trade. So the economics of the relationship between the United States and China, you got China expanding in the South China Sea, building their military, and then you got America giving them five hundred million dollars a year. Billion a year. They keep doing this. I guess eventually China's going to start building fake islands around Manhattan. But the point here is, this idea of money, idea of trade, is coming on really strong. We, are, we can expect greater sanctions enforcement. Currency warfare. My currency against yours. And competition for scarce resources. In fact, what is going on is trade is now a national security issue. And trade is being weaponized. I don't want to shoot bombs at you. Yeah. Let me see if I can control you by controlling how much money you get. And that is what's really happening right now. And not only is it happening, I'm predicting it's going to get more intense. So we got to understand what that means for a diamond business, okay? The role of diamonds as a source of military funding is under increasing scrutiny. To governments, diamonds are money. You know, I'm afraid of synthetics. Hey, governments know what diamonds really are. They understand the real value of diamonds. And they look at it as money. Money that can be used to buy tanks. Money that can be used to give Iran money to have a better war against Ukraine. All kinds of diamonds, all kinds of money. Which is also a clarion call for Dubai. We have to make sure that at least if we're going to sell our diamonds, I can't, we can't control. Let me just keep going. Complicating matters are diamond markets in neutral countries. Where India, such as India and Dubai, as well as regions in Africa and Asia, where it's perfectly legal to trade with both the US and China. I mean, that's normal. Why shouldn't a Dubai company buy diamonds from El Rosa, polish them, and sell them to China? Why not? It's perfectly legal. So I've got this bifurcation of markets where I've got this US, no, 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 go straight, go straight, EU, G7, go straight, and then I get like, I can dance, I can dance, I can do whatever I want, which is fine. Don't blame people for being legal. But here I am living in this, I guess, zoo, where all the animals are out of the cages. So how am I supposed to deal with America? How am I supposed to buy goods? 
So diamonds are perfectly legal in one area and illegal in another, and yet they move freely across these boundaries. It's probably going to change too. Ethical factors, so it's not enough the law. We'll try and sell Tiffany, guys. Because ethical factors are also complementing sourcing as brands and others, top-end retailers, U.S. retailers, I'll be the AGS conclave in a few weeks, right? Seek to enforce standards that exceed even legal obligations. So we're in an interesting world where things are changing, and the old diamond district, just buy and selling, not worry about where it came from, is changing rapidly, significantly, legally, and ethically. So be aware of that, everybody. And this is one of the greatest opportunities you're ever going to have in your generation. You know, we're just at Pesach. There's Chag Sameach to everybody coming to Pesach, right? Pesach is an amazing holiday. We celebrate the freedom of the Jews from Egypt, the splitting of the seas, splitting of the diamond markets. And there's a special mitzvah on Pesach that comes before Pesach. What's the, what's the mitzvah? Who knows the mitzvah? No? Give kids to give charity. But where's the mitzvah? Of, but just the day before Pesach, what's the mitzvah? There's a special mitzvah to look for the chametz. You don't just sit there and say, I bought the diamond from George, I didn't ask him where it came from, that, 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 that. You gotta go out there, you gotta take a candle and a feather, and you gotta creep around your house, and you gotta look for the crumbs, look for the crumbs, baby. That's the new definition of compliance in the diamond industry. So the diamond industry has an opportunity to become kosher for Passover. If we do compliance right. Now it doesn't mean the other diamonds are bad necessarily. It doesn't mean that you can't have all kinds of cookies before and after Pesach or whatever you want. But if you want to be kosher, there's an opportunity. I was reading this statistic that 40% of products in the United States uh, stores are kosher. Have OU certification or other certification is kosher. But only like 4% are Jews. And most of them aren't even kosher. We find out that non-Jews are buying most of the Jewish kosher products. It's weird. It's amazing. And why? Because they perceive kosher products to be healthier, more original, or whatever the, the idea that is. But that's amazing. That's just the real statistics. My friends, you want to make money in this business with all this crap going on? Kosher diamonds. Kosher diamonds. No, you're crazy, rabbit play. It's kosher, really. Does that matter? Can you make money from it? Well, I remember when there was no cut grade on the GIA certificate until the AGS came along with the triple zeros, and then GIA made cut grade, and everything was triple VG. How the hell can you make triple Xs? It costs you 3% more. Well, it costs you 3% more, but you make 5% more. Now, 80% of the diamonds in RapNet are triple Xs. Because I will do whatever you want me to do if I can make more money doing it. It's called adding value. One of the greatest opportunities for the diamond industry in general and for the Israeli diamond industry in particular and for you, 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 me is to add value to the products we sell by monitoring them, by knowing where they come from, maybe knowing where they go to also. So this is an added value story. This is an opportunity to make money or I would say in Chinese, Weiji. Weiji is a Chinese phrase that means difficulty or, or challenge, opportunity. Wherever there's a challenge, there's an opportunity. Wherever there's a problem, there's a way to turn it around and make more money from it. That's how we have to think in our diamond industry. So knowing where your diamonds come from has become imperative 
for increasing numbers of buyers. This is promoting the integration and verticalization of the supply chains. Sophisticated diamond tracing technologies are developing. Bruce talked about uh, tracing to the great um, syringing stuff. Let there be a thousand light candles, as they used to say in China. Let there be all different technologies. Let's use them to have kosher. I can get a kosher meal in Dubai. I can get a kosher meal in Mumbai. I should get a kosher diamond in New York. So with the idea of adding value to diamonds by monitoring where they're coming from and using technology to do that shouldn't be difficult, shouldn't stretch it. The challenge for the diamond trade now, here's the problem, because the big companies can do it easier than the, the smaller companies. The challenge of the diamond trade is to create source certification schemes that enable the participation of smaller companies, dealers, members of our clubs in a transparent supply chain. Source certification has to be like a GIA certificate that goes with the diamond, so you can buy it, sell it 100 times, and you always know where the diamond came from. So we don't want to stop trade. We don't want to stop competition. We don't want to stop all those good things, okay? But what we do want to do is we want to promote the idea that we are dealing with something that we have confidence that is culture. Every Sunday we're being stymied by governments on that governments. Governments are governments. They're just not bad, they're not good, they're not your daddy, they're not your mommy, they're governments. And they do what they have to do based on their considerations. U.S. government, particularly the U.S. government, and I'm wearing the flag, and I believe in America, and I love the America, and I love President Biden, and I love all our presidents, but governments are screwing up here, who fail to clarify the rules of the game. Governments are confused. They don't know what they're doing. At this stage, the U.S. does not know what they should do to ensure companies, to, to ensure companies with, san with sanction regulations. Uh, they don't understand the diamond business. A lot of people don't understand the diamond business, but really, honestly, they don't know what they're doing. They don't even communicate what the current sanctions regulations are. So I'm getting all upset about this. We sent letters, we're nice guys, but now we're getting a little bit more grumpy, aggressive, I would say. So we have a problem over here. Governments come along, and I want to tell you, you know who the real hero of the Kimberly process is? This guy by the name of Harold Jeter, the Undersecretary of State in 1999, who I convinced to go with the idea of kosher diamonds. So I said to Harold Jeter, I said, listen, we know where the arms are coming from that are going into Liberia. You can actually find them on the radar screens. Why don't you stop those arms? Why you stop sending machetes and guns to the Liberians who are killing these poor Sierra Leoneans? Get to it, Mr. Rappaport. He said, geez, why not? He said, we have an agreement with the government. By the way, I think it was you, right? We have an agreement with the government that if they give us the nuclear weapons, we're not going to bother them about the sale of conventional weapons. That's interesting. So sometimes we don't understand governments, what they do, why they do it. And maybe they're right. Nuclear weapons in the hands of terrorists? Maybe that's a good trade-off. It's not my call. It certainly is the president's call. So when we look and we watch governments, we have to understand they have different motives. They're not here to protect our industry. They're here to protect their government's interests. And when you put all the governments together in a room, you get all kinds of horrible stuff because they're all looking after themselves. So don't blame the governments. 
just be aware that there are things, there are things going on that may not be in our interest. So we have to worry about government regulations messing things up for us. So quickly, Russian invasion, February. Russia supplies 30% of the world's rough diamonds. March 11th, President Biden issues an executive order prohibiting the importation of non-industrial diamonds Russian Federation origin. He uses the word origin. The phrase origin has significant legal meaning, implying that it excludes diamonds from Russia that have been substantially transformed cut outside of Russia. Since almost all the diamonds coming out of La Rosa were manufactured out of Russia, the president's executive order had almost no impact on the supply of diamonds other than some banking regulations. The origin loophole rendered the president's executive order ineffective. Now, one second. Why would the president of the United States issue an ineffective executive order that did not reduce the cash flow to Russia? I have a tremendous amount of respect for the president, less so for the State Department, but what's going on here? Maybe India's a nuclear power, Pakistan's a nuclear power, maybe there's bigger fish to fry, maybe he did this and then his advisors said, but you could do it, but you can't really do it. But the bottom line is that the US government is screwing around, which is not good for our industry in a world that I just described with all these different political and economic interests. So, oh, further, on 7, then the Department of uh, Treasury said, they didn't use the word sanctions, but they said Al Rosa is now a blocked entity. It is a sanctioned entity. So does that mean that you can buy diamonds that are coming from Al Rosa and put in India or Israel and then sold to America? Is that okay? Is it not okay? Does anybody know if it's okay? Does anyone have the guts to ask? Is it okay? I do. So I sent the letter, and also we told everybody, don't put your Russian diamonds, source diamonds, that even if they're cut in India or elsewhere, don't put them around there. But the position of the diamond trade, the United States Jewelry Council, that it's okay to import diamonds that are from Russian rough cut outside of Russia. So after some consultation with the New York leaders, which I don't usually do, but they're really nice guys, I sent the letter to OFAC in the end of February that said this, please answer the following questions on an urgent basis. Is it permissible for U.S. entities, U.S. companies to trade or import into the United States polished diamonds manufactured from rough diamond purchased from Arosa after the sanctions, whereby the diamonds were manufactured or substantially transformed outside of Russia by non-sanctioned? Tell me, Rabbi, what's kosher? Rabbi, he goes, I'm not going to tell you. I said, this, this substantial transformation of product purchased from the sanctioned entity rendered the resultant product free of sanctions. This is the exact words I used today. Office of Foreign Asset Control in the United States Department of Treasury. Well, I asked the question. I don't know why no one else asked the question. I said, no, it was going to ask. I'll ask. So, so far, OFAC is hiding. I'm hiding. I'm OFAC. We send people to jail. I'm a terrorist organization responsible. But I'm hiding from the whole diamond industry. Well, I'm not going to let them hide. This is ridiculous. Sir. We need to have a level playing field. We need to know what's really going on. So, that's one issue. But it gets worse. The US State Department is talking about controlling, and the US State Department, they're nice people, honestly. But they work for a government, and the government has other interests. They talk out of both sides of the mouth. They're the fine, wonderful people who have now voted Zimbabwe as the 
share the Kimberly process. Wow. I mean, that's like asking not just the fox to guard the chicken coop, it's like, you know, roasting the chickens with this. In any case, it's worse than that. Because according to OFEC sanctions, if an entity, say a Russian oligarch, owns 51% of a company, or three different oligarchs own 51 or something, or maybe, I don't know, it could be a minister from some African country, and he owns that business, more than 51%, and you trade with that business, you are now a terrorist yourself. So do you know the beneficial owners of the companies you deal with? Do you guys really know that? Do I know that? Should we know that? Somebody answer the question. So we get ourselves set up with governments that put us into positions that are kind of, well, I can attack you if I want, but not, I can play with you, not acceptable to me. Now another thing is how far do you go? I buy from A, A buys from B, B buys from C, C was maybe a sanctioned entity. How do I know? What does that mean for our free market and it's not just retailers in the United States, it's dealers here in Israel and Dubai and India, everywhere. What about our industry? So we need to get clarity on what the rules are, okay? Can you trade in, in these markets? It's our intention to work with other trade leaders and our U.S. congressional representatives. Kind of cares about what we think. The administration, less so. Bureaucrats come, but you know, bureaucrats tend to stick around, but political appointees tend to come and go. So we're going to go to Congress and we're going to try to find out the truth of what is going on with these sanctions. Major step forward, the adoption and integration of source certification systems on Rapnet that doesn't require Washington. We're going to start putting green stars on Rapnet. If we have diamonds, polished diamonds, we'll know where the rough came from. That's what we're working on. And we think this is the direction because then everybody can see how much is a green star diamond worth more than a non-green star diamond. How much does it cost to get a green star diamond? And so those things are going to be happening. The way forward, given the fact that access to U.S. markets, G7, other websites will require higher levels of source identification, we're working with those who wish to establish rational compliance standards that can be approved by U.S. authorities. U.S. markets are important, and we need clarity. We'll also be working with our congressional representatives to ensure fair regulations and, if necessary, legislation that enables a level playing field for a broad range of trade participants, including Israelis. A particular issue is greenwashing by importers who import sanctioned goods undercover and then complete compete in the U.S. So here I am selling a kosher diamond, here he's selling a not kosher diamond, and he's selling it against me, and I'm in the U.S. with all these laws, and he doesn't have to follow the laws, and he's cheaper than me. How am I supposed to do I'm not even talking about a case where someone bribes somebody in Africa, gets the rough 30% cheaper, cuts it, and then sells the polished against it. In OFAC's case, you go to jail. In other cases, you write it off as a business expense. So this level of playing field is important. I'm calling upon the U.S. Administration, Department of Treasury's Office of Foreign Asset Control to reply to our request for clarification regarding the importation into the U.S. of Russian source bios, purchased as rough from the roads and then manufactured outside. We call upon the United States Federal Trade Commission, as well as the World Federation of Diamond Horses, IDMA, and the RJC Trade Organization, to clarify their position regarding full disclosure of scarcity and value retention for the sale of synthetic diamonds, particularly when made sales compares the pricing of natural and synthetic. The whole truth. We request the RAPNET members, if any of you are here, and I imagine there are, to refrain from listing any Russian source diamonds in RAPNET, and I tell you, please don't do it because we will screw you if you do.
I'm fearless. Do not put Russian source, even if it's kind of outside of Russia, on Rapid. Don't do it. We find you, very bad. So tell you, I'm begging you, don't put them on our trade. The current situation provides many opportunities for members of the trade to add value to the diamonds they manufacture, trade, or retail. This is an opportunity to get higher prices for our diamonds, everybody, by something that we do, which is to trace their source. Kosher gets a higher price. Ah, it's a zero, almost done. Well, different markets will require different standards based on the laws of the countries they're in, the ethical standards of the market participants who they sell to. There is sufficient room for cooperation and standardization of procedures that will enable legal and ethical compliance for the markets we wish to serve. Guys, we can make more money, just like you could for triple X's. But pay attention to the opportunities that kosher environments can give you. Should you wish to follow up on any of the issues communicated in this presentation, please email me directly to martin at rabbitport.com. I may not be able to personally answer you all the time, but I have about five or six people looking. I also want to do a shout out to, I don't know how many people we have on the internet. Hey y'all, love you. Thank you very much for tuning into this. And we'll put this in So thank you all very much. I wish you really all the best. I love y'all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rapport Diamond podcast. For more discussions, news, and analysis about the diamond industry, visit us on rapport.com, follow Rapport Group on Instagram, and follow Rapport on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe to get future episodes.